Welcome to Nine Point Started With A Dream Podcast. Our goal is to showcase the stories of athletes and the community that supports them by being authentic about their journey. Here's your host, Jacoby Gillum. Hey guys, welcome back to the podcast. I'm your host and always Jacoby Gillum. It's been a while. And today's guest is Taylor Fricano, pro volleyball player. And she shares her journey and just like all of our stories here, she's authentic. You know, she shared the ups and downs, the good and bad that she had to endure, you know, on this broad journey. And it's one that we can all relate to, you know, when it comes to mental health, you know, to finding out who we are outside of our sports sometimes and really, you know, finding out what makes us us. And we also got to meet our dog, Peanut, which is really fun as well. So great story here. Great journey. We're glad to be back and let's get to it. All right, Taylor, the question that everyone comes on is when you're younger as an athlete, what was like your biggest dream of goal you want to achieve? I think my biggest dream or goal was to uh, go to the Olympics for sure. That's I saw um, Destiny Hooker play. She was uh, went to University of Texas. She was um, what is that called the Longhorn, and she was just an absolute baller. Um, and I saw her play in the Olympics, and I wanted to be just like her. So I was I wanted to be a Destiny Hooker of my own. And what about her made you want to kind of have that moment, or or, or, or what, what do you want to feel when you when you saw that? She had just so much passion and so much energy and she was so aggressive. And I think as a woman, that was really inspiring to see because, um, I mean, it's gotten a lot better throughout the years, but sometimes we have to feel, we feel like we have to be very feminine and fit to a mold. And I feel like she broke the mold in a lot of different aspects. Um, maybe some people, like some people thought she was kind of scary and intimidating. And I thought that was incredibly cool and I just was so inspired by her and I wanted to be breaking the mold with her so I think it was more her energy and her passion and how she stepped outside the box that really inspired me so when you saw that you're like I want want to be her how do you think you're gonna make it happen that is a great question um my journey to volleyball is a little bit strange I was always a basketball player and my basketball coach pushed me into volleyball so I didn't really know a lot about the process. I just thought you got to work your butt off because you're behind everybody. I was not an early starter. I wasn't the kid that grabbed the ball right out of the womb and started playing. I started volleyball at 16. So, yeah. So I knew I had to work so hard, but I kept her in my mind and she had such raw athleticism and lucky for me, I also had a lot of raw athleticism from my family genetics as well. And so I was able to transfer my basketball athletics into my volleyball. And I just had to kind of lock in mentally and hone into my skills to kind of catch up with everybody. But I was really ahead in the athletic department. So that was, I made things a little bit easier. So when you started, were you doing like club or just high school and type stuff? I just started in high school and I, after being cut twice, I feel like, you know, Michael Jordan, you know, I got cut twice um, for two years. And then I finally made the team in high school and the coaches there told me you have to get more reps. If you, you know, you could be so talented. And so um, I went to play for a club when I was 16 and I started, I wanted to play for the regional team, just one that went around and the director saw me and said, that's not happening. That's not happening. You have to go and travel and be seen by other people in the, they call it the junior Olympic. Um, what is that? Um, junior Olympic level. And so I went and tried out, but the reason why I went to the regional, um, level was strictly because of money. 
my parents didn't have a lot of money. And so they were like, we'll see how this goes. But the regional is way less expensive, way less travel. Um, but then the director came, he's like, this is not happening. We'll figure it out. We'll make a payment plan for you or whatever it takes, but you're going to play for the junior Olympic level. Yeah, that was, it was helpful on all ends. Um, but I think what was really the most helpful is that I was, you know, like six, three, six, two at 16 <laughs> and I was towering over these girls and they were like, ah, I don't think you fit in here. <laughs> so you say you were cut twice. What, what made you keep going and not, and not give up and not say like, no, it's not, not for me. That was definitely my thought. My thought was there's no way, you know, the first time when I tried out, I didn't know anything about volleyball. I couldn't get the ball over the net. I wasn't strong enough. So when I got cut, I decided to hit the weight room when I was like 13 or 12. And I got really strong because I really was determined to do that. And then in eighth grade, I hit the ball out of the court every single time. Like, I think I hit the ceiling once. And I was like, yeah, that's, that shows how strong I am. But they're like, you have no control. So you're cut again. And I was really defeated after that, but it was my basketball coach in uh, eighth grade who said, you've got to go to the freshman camp at your high school this summer, give it one more shot, third time's a charm. And because of how much I respected him, I said, fine, you know, I'll do it. But I really was ready to throw in the towel after the second cut, you know, um, but he pushed me and I respected him to the point where I said, fine, let's do it. Shout out to coach for keeping you going, right? Yeah, really. I was not having it. He said, go. I said, fine. Do it. I'm playing basketball, too. <laughs> what you play? Were you, what, a small forward? Are you a power forward? What was your position? I was a power forward, so mm -hmm. I have some pretty sharp elbows yeah. to get in, to get into the paint. Lots oh. of scars and bruises. So, so now you, so you're here, right? So you, so you made the team, and you still have this Olympic dream, right? So, so how are you thinking, all right? How did college recruiting process go for you? Um, it started out a little slow. So when I was 16, they brought me up to the Junior Olympics the level. And there were, you know, the first team, the second team, and the third team. And because I was just really athletic, but I had no idea what I was doing, they put me on the third team, which was a little bit deflating. But because I have such high standards for myself, but I like, okay, you got to work your butt off. And the third team doesn't always get the most attention. You know, they're looking at the top teams, the college, the D1 college uh, coaches. And it was, wasn't until my, my, the year after that I really got attention. Cause uh, when I was 17, they put me on the top team and that's when coaches just flooded, you know, they're, they're like, where has she been? Who is this girl? And why haven't we heard of her? And it was really, really, really crazy. So I started getting interest really fast. It was a little bit overwhelming and I didn't even know what I was looking for. I started getting questionnaires in the mail, you know, and I used to get cards from my uh, coach for club because they couldn't talk to me and I didn't even know where to start. And it's funny, my mom actually made a list of all the colleges that contacted me. And looking back, I was like, what the heck? I didn't even message Southern Cal. I didn't talk to Southern Cal. What? I wouldn't change anything about my journey, but I could not believe the amount of interest I got and how little I knew about college in general. Um, so yeah, it was my 17th year. It really started to flood in. How, how did that affect your confidence? Did it, it, it kind of help boost you up? Like, no, like, okay, I'm really, can really do this. Yeah, it definitely did. I was not sure at 16, I still was playing basketball. Um, from a very young age, I knew that I was 
destined to play sports in college with the athleticism I had. And because I mentioned my family's financial situation, there was no way that I was going to be able to go to a big college or anywhere that had a four-year institution without a full ride. Um, and I decided really early that it wasn't going to be academics. <laughs> I decided it was going to be athletics. So it was that 17th year where I was like, all right, this is happening. I have to fully commit to volleyball, basketball. It Maybe it could have happened for me, but I was really accelerating at a very fast pace um, in my development for volleyball. And I said, now I've got to fully commit. And so then when I knew that I could put 100% of myself into volleyball, I just blossomed. Um, and even my 18th year as well. Um, and I don't think I committed to college until the end of my junior year and I was one of the last ones so um super late how did your family during the full profit you know you know your Italian family like what they're like when they think you they have to develop in this in Rome my dad was really bummed when I decided to stick to volleyball he was always a basketball supporter um so it took him a little bit to come around I think it's just because he knew more about basketball I started playing at a very young age Basketball was the thing that I grabbed first, you know? Um, so he was a little bit bummed, bummed, I think, because he didn't know about the sport. Now it's all that he talks about. College, I'm out of college now. And he's like, did you see, you know, Texas was playing Baylor and this and Penn State's got this girl. And he's so invested, but he wasn't at the beginning. My mom didn't know a lot about it, but she was always super supportive. She was the one driving me to the tournaments. She was the one packing the lunches. She was the one figuring out the payment plans and how we were going to make it happen. And, um, they, they were supportive in their own ways, but um, they had no idea what we were getting ourselves into. <laughs> we'll get into this later, but you, just, but you just signed to an Italian club, right? And you, I did just sign to an Italian club. So you're kind of going, going home a little bit. I'm so excited. I'm going home. So it's kind of interesting. Um, so I was in Switzerland this last year from August to April. And I finished April 17th. It's COVID year. Everyone's talking about it. Um, and so the Italian league had a lot of postponements of games. And so their season went way longer. And so they're still playing when everyone else is finished. And so I get a call from my agent saying, hey, you just finished. I know. But, you know, there's a team that's looking for an opposite, which is my position. And they need help for playoffs. I said, oh, let's go let's do it. If it's, if it's at all possible, because there's a bunch of visa and logistical crap, let's do it. And I'm not going to bore you with the details of that nightmare, but it all worked out. I went down there. I had to quarantine for a little bit and I started practicing and I got to show myself off in a very, there was still pressure, but less pressure for someone who's just coming in to help. I was in the eighth place team. Like it's eight, the eighth seed plays the first seed. And the second place, the seventh, whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And I was on the eighth seated team playing the first seated team. And so I went in there like, I got nothing to lose, you know? And we ended up beating them to move into the semifinals. And it was incredible. Um, all the girls are crying. They're like, we have been here since we started practicing in July. And look where we are now. And I'm just in shock. I'm like, I don't know. I just got here, <laughs> you know? And Long story short, we lose in the semifinals after a very good battle, but the club really enjoyed having me and getting to know me, and it got my foot in the door, and I re-signed with them. Cool. Uh, so I felt at home, though. The minute I got there, I felt at home, and I was really hoping that they 
had a good impression of me that I could stay another year. So we did like our, our questionnaire, right? You said, you describe your journey would be patience. How does, how does that word describe your journey? Patient is, so I am now way more patient than I ever was. If any of my friends were here, they would tell you, my mom, if she could jump on the phone right now, would tell you that I'm the most impatient person in the car, in regards to life, movement, whatever. Um, but I, so I'm also a Christian and patience is a, you know, a virtue. And I feel like God has been trying to grow that in me. Um, but what happens is he tries to grow this fruit, right? And I just pick it too early because I'm impatient. <laughs> and so it never gets to grow. Um, but specifically with this like year, after Switzerland, I had a lot of offers. I had a lot of offers from other teams in France and in, in Hungary, um, in Turkey, in Germany. And I was feeling like, wow, these are really great offers. But my heart knew I wanted Italy. And I could feel God working in me and telling me, you have to be patient. Be patient and it'll come to you. So I turned down these really solid offers. And I started to get a little nervous and I, I, I started to get impatient. I was like, I don't know what to do. I feel like I should just sign with somebody because I, it's COVID still. And I don't know if I'm going to get a team. And I could just feel him growing the patience in me. And I finally waited long enough and I got the contract and it just all makes sense, you know, and I've wanted Italy since I could remember that pro Bible was a thing. And I was in the Czech Republic and then I was in Switzerland and I was in Switzerland again. And so this has been four years coming. And so now I finally feel like I can say I am a patient person <laughs> and I'm probably not where I need to be, but I feel like I'm a patient person now. Well, it's, a, it's almost like a mixture of patience and faith. You yeah. Know, you know that he's going to come through for you in, in, in the long run. Exactly. It was really hard for me, but I mean, that's what God's trying to do is grow you as a person, you know? And I had some challenges, I had some doubts, but I tried to stay strong in my faith and I'm really happy that I did. So shout out to God. <laughs> so, so when you're on this journey, right? And it wasn't always smooth sailing, you know, were there, were there any moments that you were like, really, that, that was really testing your patience outside of this, this moment? Absolutely. So the check was my first year abroad. Um, I, I'm super open about my, my mental health struggles. I have an emotional support dog who has been unbelievably helpful in my healing process with my mental health. The first year um, going to the Czech Republic, I said, I have to bring my dog. And they said, that's no problem. However, what I didn't realize is that airlines have different rules in regards to emotional support animals and countries have different rules in regards to animal importation, regardless of service dogs. Um, obviously excluding the ones that are for the epileptic or the blind that literally cannot function without it. Although I would argue that mine is just as serious. Um, and so they booked me a flight from Chicago to London and then London to, um, Austria. And then I was going to take a train up. They put me on Norwegian air and that combined with me going to London did not permit me to bring my dog. And that was incredibly difficult. My first year um, playing professional volleyball, it's no longer about camaraderie. It's no longer about the, the school and recruitments and all that beautiful stuff that comes with college. It's about you doing your job and you winning and then paying you to do so. I had, I didn't have my dog. I didn't have my, my rock that keeps me stable. 
And that was immensely difficult for me. Mind you, Eastern Europe is also a very difficult place for, I think, Western uh, hemisphere people, <laughs> societal people. I, I got to fix that. You got to put better words in my mouth for that one. Um, to play and to come over. It's just a very big culture shock. Um, Americans. Yeah. Even, but even Western Europeans, it's, it's very difficult. Um, and I found myself very depressed curtains closed in my room watching Netflix, not going out. I dreaded going to practice and I didn't have my dog, uh, crying, you know, but the thing is that I never thought about quitting the sport. I did think about going home when Christmas came around. I was like, I don't know if I should return. I've heard about people who didn't come back, but I went home and then I figured out how to bring my dog back. So from December or January to April, the last half of the season, I did have my dog, which was huge to help me push through. Um, I also had some major conflict issues with the staff. Um, as a foreigner, you're supposed to score all the points. You're supposed to be the reason they win. They're paying you to come into their club and bringing you from across the world. And you are supposed to be the person that is going to make them win. And we, uh, while I had a really an incredible individual season, we were still losing games. So everything was my fault. Um, I would get ripped no matter what my stats were. And there was a point where I had my what was it? My strength coach throw um, a substitution card at me after a game we had lost. So you don't think you're going to deal with this kind of stuff when you go, you think professional sports, you think NFL and the uh, uh, NBA, you think the MLB, NHL, you think all these amazing associations, college even. And I've never had to deal with a physical attack in college. And I've never seen that happen on the big screen. And there it was, I got a number card thrown at me and I had to deal with, <laughs> with that. And then I had to go into practice and play. So that was really difficult. Sorry. My dog wanted to come in. I thought. <laughs> What's he or she's name? Dog name. Is it a boy or girl? Oh, it's peanut. He's a boy. <laughs> yeah, boy. All right. No, so, it's peanut. I thought he was coming in, but he's not. I'll show him to you afterwards. So, so mental health, you know, that, that's a big thing for a lot of athletes right now, right? And especially you say it was your first year abroad. You know, yeah. you're fifth in the family. You don't have your dog. Like, like how did you, what, what, what other ways kind of helped you and just kind of stay, like kind of stay there when, you know, outside of, you didn't, we didn't have that. So it, I didn't do a very good job to be completely honest. Um, and I really struggled, but certain things that I tried to do um, we're find, find joy in other things. Um, you know, when you're in college, you don't have a lot of time. You're in tutor, you're in class, you're in, um, the physio room, you're in weight training. You have no time to dabble in what you like to dabble in. And now I have pra two practices a day and I still have film and stuff, but I don't have to go to class. I don't have to go, um, to weight training more than like three times a week. I don't have to wake up and, and do all this stuff. So you have actually a lot more time than you think. So I tried to dabble in the things that used to bring me joy, which um, was art. I went to an art store and I got art supplies and I, I started to do art again, which 
has carried over over the years. Um, I bought myself a ukulele because I played guitar. Um, but obviously you can't really bring a guitar over when you're trying to bring the rest of your life. So I bought a ukulele and I learned how to play that. Um, I finally got back into reading novels and, and autobiographies. Um, I tried to learn Czech, actually the language, which was immensely difficult, but I did feel better by the end of the year. They said that I was the only foreigner, like not Polish or Slovakian where they can actually speak the language that actually gave it a fair shot. And they said, I knew the most words out of anybody. I, like, I can say raspberry and pear, and I couldn't say a lot of sentences, but they were really impressed. So that was, that was nice. Um, but you try to find little things that make you happier and you find joy in. Um, and that's kind of what I did to, to bring myself up, to find my passion in other things. Because when you have your self-concept as just a volleyball player and volleyball is not going well, you have to have something to rely on. Like it's not a good place to be when you think I'm just an athlete. Cause you're not, you're always more than that. You know? Uh, it was fine. It was, it's more like finding who is, who is Taylor Ricardo. It's almost like kind of finding like, like what makes you, you, your personality, what, what makes you bring you that joy. Exactly. Exactly. And then that I also leaned on my faith too. You know, I had my Bible and I really got into the word and I felt like I had almost made a schedule for myself to keep myself sane, you know, Mondays and Tuesdays are art, you know, in the morning or I go for a walk or something. And yeah, I had other things to rely on more than just me being, I'm a professional athlete and that's all I am. Yeah, I think, I think for people, people are going to hear that and going to really relate to that. I think we could be all yeah. the high school kid or the college or the pro, you kind of realize, you know, at the point where, where you're not the happiest, you're not, you're not, not in where you want to be. And it's like, how do you, how do you find ways to kind of get at least close to the you? So now, so now that you have Peanut, you know, and you're now, now you're now you're both roaming the streets and and check. How did the rest of that? Yeah. So it got it got a lot it got a lot better with Peanut. I always had Peanut to come home to, and that is the reason why he's my emotional support dog. You know, he loves me no matter what my stats are. He loves me no matter how I played, and he loves me no matter how I look or smell. You know, he's always there supporting me. So he was huge bringing him over he really helped me push through the last uh, half of the season um it started to get a little bit warmer that's also a big thing um but we went into playoffs and it was difficult we had um our president come in and say that we're not motivated and he said you know i'm gonna pitch a deal to you guys for every game you lose we'll take five percent of your contract salary Whoa. for every game you win we'll add on 5% of your contract. There was no way, there was no way. And, and he said, you know, this is a big offer. You know, this is a big investment for me if you guys win. And I think that if you guys, you all have to agree, if one person said, no, it was not happening. He said, you know, I think it would say a lot if you guys took the offer, you know. After the season that I had been through where I could have a lights out game a lights out over 20 points, winning a whole set myself in points and we still lose. There was no way I was going to risk my contract, my hard earned money on these other girls. And so I said, no, I don't. And I think some other people said no to being like, there was a Polish girl on my team at the time. And I don't think she was having it either. Um, and we said no, um, which it didn't go over well. Very angry. We started practicing more. Um, than we already were 
and we were losing, you know, my knee was getting shot. The strength coach upped my, my max reps and was, was when I would take it off, he's like, no, you're supposed to do 90 kilogram squats. I'm like, no, I have practice after this. I'm going to bust my, my knee doing this. And then I would get ripped a new one for saying no to the whatever, you know? And so it, it got a little bit worse, <laughs> it got a little bit worse, but having peanut and um, obviously my family's support um, and amongst Instagram, I also had a ton of support. I had to you know, reach out to my friends on Instagram and I was sharing some funny stories and, and stuff like that. But the last half of the season was, had a lot of ups and downs. Peanut definitely kept me afloat and my hobbies that I had that kept me afloat. And um, I was able to, at that point, find places in the city. The city was great. I want to make that clear. It's Brno. It's the second largest city in the Czech Republic. Obviously, Prague is first. I found beautiful coffee shops and amazing vegan restaurants and just wonderful little niches that I was able to um, find myself again, you know. Um, but yeah, it was rough. And then playoffs, we took seventh out of eight. Um, I was put in a different position. And yeah, I mean, I finished, I, I don't know if I finished strong per se, but I finished. And uh, almost like this season game kind of, get, kind of gave you the rough end of the spectrum. So you knew like anything else has to be better than this. <laughs> yes. It's so funny you say that because most people were like, oh, so you're probably not going to play again. Right. Like that was really bad. I was like, this is the worst. <laughs> like this is the bottom. This can only go up. Yeah. And I, I refuse to just give something one try, you know? And so I said at least two years. And if my second year is just as bad, then maybe it is not for me. Um, but my second year was way better. <laughs> I was like running sprints outside in Switzerland. I was like, wow, I'm dying. This is great. <laughs> like, it can't get any, it, it, that couldn't have gotten any worse. I was like, this is amazing. I'll run sprints every day in this beautiful country with people who support me then go back to go back to the check so when so. you first started you said you know you, you wanted to be like the olympian right you wanted to be what was her name again destiny hooker so so now like you didn't so so, how, so what are your thoughts now you're kind of looking back now on that dream i think you know the olympics is i never want to say that it's not possible you know for me because i still see myself improving every year Every year I look back at my highlights. Like, you know, you make a highlight video to send to new coaches to, to get them to sign you like as an interview. I'm like, man, I was horrible. And then I go the next year and I'm like, man, I was horrible. And I had my teammates at the wedding this year, you know, just on Saturday. And they were like, you're so much better now. And I was like, yeah, I was bad. They're like, but you were so good in college. I was like, I wasn't, <laughs> I wasn't. And my point in that is that I keep, I still feel like I'm getting better. I still feel like I'm, I'm climbing to the peak and I don't, I don't feel like I've hit my peak yet. And so I don't, until I hit my peak, I'm not really sure. I feel like the Olympics could still be out there for me. I never want to take away that dream until it's time. And it's definitely not time yet. Um, and, you know, I've just reached one of my biggest goals in signing uh, a contract in Italy, which is an incredible league, an incredible, incredibly talented and historic league one of the best in the world you know you have your korea and you have your japan and turkey and i mean italy's right up with them and so i cannot even 
put into words how unbelievably impressed I am with myself and everyone who's helped me now that I'm in and I'm in the Italian league and I'm going to be playing in some of the best players in the world. And I, I'm just in awe. So the dream's still out there is my point. Um, and I, I'm just excited to, to keep moving up. I hope, I hope I get moving up. Well, I'll say, <laughs> I have other things to fall back on, you know? I'll say this though. You're, you're almost, kind of, you're almost kind, of, kind of like living the dream right now. You think about it like, like the Olympics, oh. you know, you're a U.S. you know, American playing other countries and other, other you know, other international teams. Right now, you you're, you're overseas. Right now, you're playing against some of the best in the world. You just want to you just want you just want to cut like a championship, right? Yeah. So you're kind of like really living your version of that dream in a in a different way. You think about it. Exactly. I'm definitely I'm so grateful. I'm so grateful. I can't. This is 100 my dream. You know, it's like there's a goal. Like the Olympics is like the goal, and I I never want to take away from what I'm doing right now. I'm so happy and I'm so I mean it is hard I'm not gonna act like it's all rainbows and sunshine you know the emotions of losing a match when you get paid to play compared to the emotions of winning a big match when you get paid to play it's it's a very wide gap of emotions and that has been difficult for me as someone with depression um but when you look at all the stuff that I enjoy about it it's it, it tips it tips in the positive side all the time so I'm just so grateful. I, what a blessing this whole journey has been and the people I've met across the way. I mean, even you, you know, like this is incredible. I, I would never expect somebody to ask me to do an interview about my story. And then I get to meet you who's, you know, it's so incredible your story about, you know, you're so determined and you go to Oklahoma and then you're, you know, like I need to share other people's stories. Like what a beautiful human you are. And I get to talk to you about my story and Oh, it's just amazing. Like, it's just, this journey is so freaking cool. And the cool thing about yours is that it just getting started. Yeah. Like your journey is uh, over, you know, like you're kind of like at that place where it's just about to just rocket ship, you know? So it's, I'm, I'm glad that I'm, I'm able to be part of the journey right now. So I'm grateful. Yeah. No, I'm so happy. This has been awesome. You know, it's just, there's, there's so many great aspects to it that I can't even say that all the, like getting the number card, the wooden paddle thrown at me. I would take that every day to just still be here, like talking with people like you and sharing all the inspirations that I've been through and experiences, you know, it's, I mean, that's what makes it great. A few more questions for you. So, okay. so any athletes listening right now, you know, whatever age may be, what, what would be your advice to them? What would be some advice? Oh gosh. Like all the young, just like any age, any age group. Whatever, whatever group you want, you want to go to every group you want to say it's the, the recent pro young kids whatever you want to speak to who what about you did? oh god no pressure. I'm really I have a heart for kids I have a really big heart for kids especially because you know this is where it all started for me was when I was younger um like 12 and to the 16 age and I don't know times have changed since I was uh trying to make my journey into the sport even so but what I do is when I do coach kids that are younger any age group, I just want them to realize that this is a game. It's a literal game and it's supposed to be fun. And that's what I still try to do with, with my, I'm a professional athlete, but you have to remember that this is your job, but it's supposed to be fun. And you played the sport because it was fun. And so if it's not fun for you anymore, then that's, that's kind of a problem. 
Um, and I don't want anybody to ever lose that sight of the fact that this is supposed to be fun. Like I keep saying the word fun because it brings you joy. It makes you happy and you want to do it. When it stops being fun, you shouldn't be doing it anymore, or you need to change something about where you're at, you know? And that's what happened in the check. It wasn't fun for me. So I was like, I'm going to finish strong because I'm not a quitter. Even though I thought about it, <laughs> I did think about it. Um, but I got to go, I got to make, make the sport fun again. Um, and so you just don't lose sight of that. You know, it's supposed to be fun. It's a game and sports get really over glorified, I think, especially in the U S um, and I just really want to tell kids just have fun. Don't stress. You have your whole life to stress about health insurance when you turn 26 and you no longer have it in the U S so <laughs> have fun in your sport. Drake said once though, when I'm, I'm not having fun, but I'm done with it. I'll <laughs> quote Drake on that. <laughs> That's awesome. I got to put that somewhere. <laughs> Keep it in my bedroom. <laughs> and the last question for you, where are you at? Social media wise, website we can kind of plug right now. Um, yeah, I guess we could. <laughs> <laughs> my Instagram handle is my first and my last name. It's just Taylor Fricano. And I, I share a lot of stuff. I try and be open and honest, especially about things I care about as far as um, mental health awareness, especially amongst athletes and, and just people in general. I really love to help people. Um, but I think that's pretty much all my social media. I don't have a TikTok. I don't have, I have a Twitter, but I don't use it and I can't get back into it. Like I got locked out. I have Facebook, but don't, don't go there. That's for family and friends. Um, so all I really got is Instagram. Oh, Peanuts Instagram. Peanut. So Peanut has an Instagram and it's Peanut the Poopy because I couldn't do Peanut the Puppy. That's very, it's taken. So I did Peanut the Poopy. I don't really know how I feel about it, but I think it's funny. I got to find that little nugget for you. I love showing off my dog. <laughs> see if I can find him. Where's the dog? <laughs> He's in my parents' bed. So this, <laughs> this is Peanut. What's up, buddy? This is my mama's boy. Hey. Living his best life. He is. He's like, can you stop interrupting my mid-morning nap? It's a little four and a half year old rescue from North Carolina. I've had him for four years. Thank you, baby. Did you even call it them yet, then? When you're in college, my coach was really upset. He said, "Do not adopt a dog in college." I had one class. I redshirted, and so my fifth or my last semester, I had one class. Like, now I'm getting a dog. And this is this is my baby. How do I switch the? I don't even know how to switch the. Oh, jeez. Oh my god. I'm so old. I'm on the candle zoom. Oh, you can. Oh, I know you can do that. Yeah, this is him. Peanut, four and a half years old. Papillon Chihuahua rescue from uh, Orange County Shelter in North Carolina. Oh, my sweet babe. Yeah, he's been to, uh, I think, eight countries now. And they're all on his uh, all on his profile. I have, like, the country list. So, <laughs> international traveler. Peanut, peanut, peanut the poopy. <laughs> Maybe I should have re reconsidered the name on Instagram, but whatever. Well, Taylor, it's been a pleasure talking with you. Like, 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 like your light is pretty, pretty bright. And I, I enjoy just speaking with you and I look forward to seeing where you go. Thank you. I'm so, I'm so happy we got to speak. I've, I, I think you reached out um, my first year in the check actually. And I think I wrote an article. I don't even remember or something, but I've, I've been following you since. And I'm so happy that I finally got to talk to you. Four years later, like you made it happen. <laughs> uh, yes, finally, I'm good enough. <laughs> Maybe this is my peak. <laughs> no, 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 I'm, I'm like here. You're up here, so it's, it's 
So no way. Um, this is pretty freaking cool. It's like, that's pretty cool what you do. I don't want you to, to shut your, like that, this is dope that you reach out to people and tell their stories. Like that's, that's so selfless. Like good for you, man. Like that's awesome. You're just I'm, a great person. I'm all right. I'm all right. I'm all right. <laughs> I'm deep, deep. <laughs> um, uh, it's been great. Enjoy Chicago or Chicago area and look forward to talking to you soon. Thank you so much. Stay safe. And you too. Bye, Peanut. Yo, thanks for listening to this episode of the Nine Point Started With a Dream podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please comment, share, leave a review. We would love to hear your thoughts. You can find more athlete-driven content at ninepoint.com. Till the next episode, you're only one opportunity away. Peace.